someone came and wrote you a check, I don't know how much the business is worth, maybe 100 mil, would you take it? But you have to leave and you can't have another nurse. No, I probably couldn't take it. The offer is too low or... Buddy, today we've got a really special podcast for you. We interview our good friend Chris Lucas from Hello Hello Plants. He's the director, founder, and CEO. He is brilliant at what he does. And I'm not talking just about horticulture here. I'm talking about sales, marketing. I'm talking about the whole lot. He built his business from scratch, and it's a really inspiring story. Now, I always wanted to get a lot of brick and mortar businesses on the show because I believe that you know online business is one thing; it's quite difficult. But actually, running a physical location with physical employees and that aren't overseas is really difficult. And this guy gave some really good advice on how to do so. We actually recorded a part two as well that we're releasing soon that actually includes us walking through his nursery and actually physically learning about the whole business and everything like that. But this one we recorded in a studio. It's very well put together and it's really, really fun to film and even more fun to watch. So grab a pen and paper. Make sure you write this stuff down. Once again, you're listening to the Flypath Podcast. This is Chris. I'm Tom. Let's talk. Okay, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's my trademark. Founder of Hello, Hello Plants. Very, very successful plant nursery. What would you call yourself? Um, I'm a horticulturalist and a marketer. Done. Yeah, definitely. I'll tell you what, this guy's ads have appeared all over my TV, all over my phone, everywhere. King of Facebook ads. And I want to ask you a few questions. Now, most podcasts would ask about business, would ask about success. I want to ask about you right. specifically. Yeah. So before, before we started rolling, we were talking about recessions. We were talking about money problems, stuff like that. I'd love to know if you, if you had a big shiny. Imagine this: you had a big shiny reset button. Yeah. Doing the things you've done, the successes, the losses, whatever it is, would you click it? No. 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 Now I've gone broke in the last few years, right? And 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 uh, about ten years ago, and and I did it real tough and rebuilt my business. And what happened to me in that was a fabulous education. Mm. Since I was a little kid, I always made lots of money and I was a bit mm-hmm. sort of a bit arrogant and a bit yeah. and, and so going broke made me gentler, less arrogant, more willing to observe, had to work things out a lot, had mm. to had to be more honest, work harder. Um and I've learned a lot and I think that I've got an edge in my business now that I didn't have before where I can do much better than before. Absolutely. And uh, I think that I always live by is that number one, experiences are more important than the value in your pocket. Mm. So like I was telling my friend before, um, you know, go broke doing experiences like that, you know, having fun, things that you remember, that's more valuable to me than anything. Yeah. But um, regarding that, I remember before this, we were having a very interesting conversation about the recession. Right. And you were talking about your competitor, right? Yeah. I would yeah. love to know about this. Uh, Look, I've been working on a, a on a little project. I've had a particular goal, and I've been working on it. And just before I came here, mm-hmm. uh, one of my staff said, "Look, the bloke from up the road there with the pot shop. He rushed in here, and he's hardly sold a pot in two weeks, and he's really worried, and he needs to talk to somebody about it. Mm. And because he can see that our business is really quite busy, and we're mm. not we're not doing so badly. And I realised that what it just struck home to me that that there really is a recession occurring. People Absolutely. are pulling back on retail spending, and um, and what I've been working on is I've been working on um, the idea of having my sales rise mm. when the natural inclination would be for them, the sales to fall. And the reason, the reason why I wanted my sales to rise is that, is that um, if my sales rise, other people in the industry will look to me as a solution Definitely. and they'll come and offer me support and help and good deals and things like that and I can actually turn a rise into a boom. Mm. And, and of course, what I've observed, I've been through several recessions in mm. my business life, and what I've observed is some people go broke, some people just struggle and have a terrible time, and mm. a few people do really, really well. And and I decided I'd like to be one of the people that do really, really well. But what cool. I've worked out, I actually think, I think anybody could, with if anybody understood what I've worked out and what I'm working on, anybody could decide whether or not to have a recession. Like you could actually decide and, and, and either have a recession or not have a recession. And even a country could decide. Mm. But that would be a bigger job. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, jeez. Well, that was very interesting. Um, I have a few more questions. We might have to cut it here but just for two seconds. I need my phone. Um, just one second. I had some specific questions I want to ask you. It's okay, Ben? That was really interesting. Anything coming to mind? Anything you want to talk about specifically? I want to, like, go to Hello, Hello and, like, find ways to, like, 
promote your business a little yeah. bit on this? Yeah. So, yeah. Do you know, if you wanted to kind of, the thing that I use to understand myself right, mm. is that my dad had this flower selling business when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And when I was about five, I was desperate to become one of his salespeople, one of his flower salespeople, because they used to buy motorbikes and do really well. They were young yeah. guys and they'd do really well out of, out of it. And I, mm-hmm. I figured I needed a motorbike and needed to do well like these guys, you know. And at any rate, um, dad would never even talk to me about it. And, uh, and one day, one day under the house, um, I, dad was, we had visitors coming and dad was under there swearing and cursing. At any rate, I went down there and I said, what's happening? And dad said, oh, look, he said, some, some bastards left this box of daffodil flowers here and, they, and it's Sunday and they won't get sold. They've, they've missed the sales period, you know. Oh. And I said, and, and at any rate, um, I said to dad, I'll sell them. And, uh, and he said, oh, do what you fucking want. And he walked <laughs> off. And, uh, and, and he didn't help me. And this box was unbelievably heavy. And mm. we lived probably half a kilometre from the highway. And it took me most of the afternoon to drag that box to the, to the highway. Like oh, right. dad, dad had absolutely zero interest in what I was doing. And yeah. he, just, he just thought I wanted to play with him or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> anyway, it took me, it took me half an hour to drag it. I remember, and I, to this day, I remember, you know, walking backwards a step and pulling this thing one step and going all the way to the highway. Jeez, there's something wonderful about that, though. And then I yeah. sold them in about five minutes. No. No way. I did exactly what, what I'd seen the boys do, ah. and I sold them in about five minutes. The daffodils. So and how kid, old were you? About five. I was a cute little kid, and, and I sold them in about <laughs> five minutes. And, and, so, and what I am is I'm very determined and completely mm. unstoppable. Like I've never known a kid to do something that difficult to pull something off. Definitely. Yeah. It's all dedication. Yeah, and so that's and that's how I am now. Mm. I'm I'm not, that's the person who I am. Would you say that got that's what got you into the nursery business? That that specific moment? Five years old, flower flower selling on the street? No, no, no. that wasn't really what got you in it. Uh, what got me in was that I was interested in I I act, I was a gardener. I worked for ten years when I was a kid, from when I was seven to when I was seventeen. I worked every Saturday for this beautiful old lady who really Became she realized I was reasonably intelligent, and mm. I didn't really have many people to talk to, you know, mm. like about things. And she talked to me about the environment, and she got me to read a thing called Silent Spring, which was a very important environmental book back in the sixties. Mm. And um, and so I was really interested in the environment. And my dad grew and sold plants, and also had an insurance brokerage and sold insurance. Yeah, and I decided that. And I used to help dad actually out doing sales. And I decided that I loved to sell, but I liked insurance seemed like a dead product to me. You're gambling against dying yeah, exactly. or something like that. It seemed like, yeah. and, I, and I thought, I don't want to, there's money in selling stuff. It's not worth it. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't like insurance, but I liked plants. And I thought, gee, maybe I could be a plant salesman. Mm. And so that's what got me going is, is the is sort of the love of selling combined with one with a love of the environment and and thinking that you know if you sold enough plants you'd have a better world exactly and tell you what I, I definitely need some so I'll definitely call you about that <laughs> right but um quick question so with your when you when you go into sales you start in as you said sales and you start in plant selling stuff like that over the phone what got you into like advertising that's what I want to ask um I started off when I first I was working with my dad when I first got married mm-hmm. and the pay was tiny. Yeah. And dad were, and, and, and I noticed the wholesale plants were cheap. So I'd buy a few plants and I'd advertise them in the Weekly Times and, and advertise stuff in the in the Herald and that oh, cool. and the age. And and I'd come home in the evening and my wife had written down my sales leads and I'd get on there and I'd often make more money in an evening at home, mm. you know, in an hour or two after dinner. Mm. I could make more money than I could working all day in my dad's nursery. And so I gradually evolved that I that I started to do more of that and less of helping dad. It's an impressive story. It's crazy. But um I wanna I wanna get back to the point. So hello, hello. Very successful as we know. Right. Yep. But obviously you've been through a lot, right? You've done I'm sure you've had a lot of success, you had a lot of failures. That happens, right? I would love to know if you had to think of one mistake that you've made in your business, a mistake, a deep question, that you if if someone else was starting a nursery business that you would not want them to make, what would it be? The biggest, I don't know, I don't know how it is. Not even nursery, just yeah. the business in general. Okay, the biggest mistake I've made in my entire career was my, oh, just not long after I was married, my auntie said to me, my auntie said to me, she said, pick foliage. Pick foliage. 
pig foliage and sell it to the florist shops. Mm. And at any rate, it was, and it took me a little while to figure out how to do it, but it was the most profitable thing I've ever come across. And, and I could make, I used to make, I used to work a 20 hour day, three days a week. And I'd make $700 when all my friends who were working in nurseries would make 200 bucks a week. I'd make 700 bucks a day. Mm. And what I did was I didn't invest that money back into, it was called foliage, back into foliage. I invested Mm. it into growing and selling plants Mm. because I was obsessed by growing and selling plants. And really, it would have been vastly more profitable to have invested the vastly incredibly profitable foliage money back into foliage. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and, and for some reason, I just wasn't smart enough to do it. Yeah. Well, would you would you say that, so going back to that point, if, if I was around a business, for me, for example, investing back into business is the most important part. So, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, if you've got something that works and makes money and you've got some other dream or something like that, you really should still invest it back into the thing that makes the money. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, okay. Oh, hi, everyone. I'm Ryan. I've just hopped into the podcast after... Not wanting to be here, but um, he's here now. First time for everything, I guess. Exactly. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, welcome aboard. Of course. Okay, so back to the conversation. So there's one thing that Chris absolutely blows my mind with, and that's advertising, right? So you've done a few advertising campaigns in your life, but obviously you didn't start there. You didn't start in the tutu, right? <laughs> you yeah. ended in the tutu. Where'd yeah. you start? Okay. I started off advertising in newspapers mm. and, and, and signs, and even, even the way I sold flowers was a, a technique that I learned from my dad. Where I, had a very, I used to sell 200 bunches in a day up on the side of the road when I was a kid, and other kids would be up there with 10 or 12 bunches, and they'd have trouble selling them. And sometimes I'd actually go buy the, kids, the bunches from the other kids and resell them when I was running short. And, um, so, and, I, and I followed an exact formula. Mm. And what happened was that, this is maybe 20 odd years ago, um, I was doing a little bit of radio advertising and every couple of weeks I'd come up with a new idea for advertising and, I'd, and, and we were struggling and I was in partnership with another chap in the nursery and he said to me, he said, look, he said, if we can't figure out a way to get our sales up, he said, we might as well just close up shop and sell up everything because he, yep. said, he said, we're just, we're just not good enough. Mm. And at any rate, so um, I got invited to an ARN um, conference in in Hong Kong, Australian Radio Network, oh, right. and it was to help with the to help with it was advertising creative. But I thought it'd probably be a bit of a booze up and stuff like that, a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. and, but anyway, I went up there, and then when I got there, there was a guy there called Jason Jennings, mm. and um, fabulous. He's world famous for, for radio advertising and doing you know doing seminars and things like that. And that, and we had three days of lectures, and and the lectures were really intense. But what was different? about me and everyone else there, well, there was all these guys there that were all the top guys from Melbourne and Sydney, mm. you know, who do advertising. Um, mm. And they all wrote pages and pages of notes. And anyway, I only wanted one thing. I wanted to go home and really live my sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And yeah. Uh, so I only wrote three things down on a bit of paper. So I had an A4 sheet sitting A4 there sheet. for three days. I wrote down three things. What did you write? Uh, what I wrote was that um, the first thing is, is to go and dominate one medium. Mm. One medium. Go and dominate one medium. Don't advertise. And that, we did that. We used to advertise in little girl, girls come around and sell magazines. If you look at page here and get this here. They said, go and absolutely dominate one medium. Mm. The next thing they said is don't change your creative all the time. Pick on one creative and just do it forever. And right. if you do it for 20 or 30 years, one creative concept, if you do it for 20 or 30 years, it'll become very, very powerful. And then the last thing was, a really, really important one, is the bigger your offer, the more you have to earth it in reality. So say, for instance, you were going to sell Commodores for 30% off. Yeah. So if you said, look, it's March Madness, Commodores are 30% off, it doesn't have any credibility. But if you said, look, what's happened is a small hailstorm out here and we had a slight bit of damage on the Commodores and, uh, and the insurance company is paying us quite a bit of money for the damage that was caused. Right. And that enables us to sell them for 30% off. You'll get people everywhere. Well, I'll tell you what, if you sell Commodores, th- put this. Just <laughs> so, so basically you have to earth the stronger, the bigger your offer. Yeah. If you're only 2% off, you don't need to earth it in reality. But if you're doing a big offer, a big strong offer, it has to be earthed in reality. So anyway, we, so we did the three-day thing. At the end of it, there was a workshop and, and they gave me the best ad writer at ARN. Wow. And, um, and they gave me, and we went to this workshop and I said, look, I've got to go home and lift my sales. Mm. And they had a, a top ad writer from New Zealand there as well. At any rate, um, 
we and they said, look, you should, and we used to hire talent to do our ads, and they said, no, you've got to do your ads yourself, and and that was the first thing. And then we wrote this, we wrote this ad, and it was earthing it in reality, and we I started to do the ad, and the New Zealand ad writer said, look, he said, you sound, he said, don't mind me saying this, but you sound really dopey. <laughs> and he said, Jeez. he said, now when really dopey people get on the radio, you know, like people from the country and they're not quite with it, right. they sometimes go, hello, hello, like that, like to see if they're on the radio. And he said, I think because you sound so dopey, you should actually go, hello, hello. And anyway, what happened was that we had this ad, and it was me talking, it was hello, hello, me sounding a bit dopey, a little bit different. And it was earth, it was earthing our sales problem in reality. We just said, well, we've got a sales problem, we're going to sell some stuff, we're going to get real cheap. And, uh, and and we need help. We need you to come out here, you hook up your trailer and head out here and buy some plants. Mm. And so we, it, was the, the, it was the three things that I wrote down, fully applied in an ad. We came home and we cancelled all our other advertising and we booked up one radio station quite intensively and, and it worked like crazy. One bloke complained to me, he nearly crashed his truck because he bought, sold, used to sell us stuff and he said he was driving along and suddenly he, my voice was in his truck and he said he just couldn't believe it, you know, hello, hello. <laughs> and uh, he said nearly had a truck crash. And, and But what happened was that within a matter of weeks, we were we booked up two radio stations really, really intensively mm. and we our sales were triple what they were before. So, so Ludicrous. And, and then what I've done... Is that I've cut uh, those three mm. ideas. I just keep applying those three ideas. We do a lot of internet advertising now, mm. but I basically use those three ideas, and they've never turned me wrong. And when my sales are down a little bit, I'll I'll check and see where I'm misapplying those three ideas. Right. So, so was it called Hello Hello before he came up with that idea? Was it what was it called before that? Um, one back alley plant farm. One back alley plant farm. What? One more time in English. So what was that? <laughs> Wombat Gully Plant Farm. Wombat Gully. Gully. Gully Plant, plant Farm. Plant, plant Farm, yeah. That's and and it was, we chose that because it was a stupid name. Like, I, I guess my, <laughs> yeah. my Hello, hello is great. Yeah, I love it's that. fantastic. But, but I, I kind of like don't like the sort of advertising where people are having a million dollar clearance and it's an epic clear. You know, it's all a, all a, cliches and things like that mm. so this weekend uh, only yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all those things <laughs> I, off. I try and um and have a more human level approach beautiful mm. yeah that, that works and i think there's a few good points to touch on because i found chris from hello hello when i was doing oh just buying plants yeah, yeah. and you go on google and then you see there's someone selling plants online and i think that was maybe 2014, probably 2015. Yep. And how, like, these days everyone sells everything online. Like, you can buy whatever you want online pretty much. But plants is such a big item and there's so much logistics involved to, you know, transport around the country and all that sort of stuff. How did you make the decision that you were going to go online and how did you find that opportunity so early before I think you are one of the first, if not the first, to sell online? Uh, actually, my daughter-in-law, like I, I didn't understand it at all, and she just she's she's up with all technological things. She's helping me today with that, mm. but um, and she just said you have to go online. She said you're going to pay me so much an hour, and I'm going to put you online. And I'm going to have a thing where you can buy on the internet and pay money over the internet, and and that you have to do it. And so I just said yes, and she did it. <laughs> Sweet, beautiful. Was yeah. that? Did that really take the sales like through the roof, or was it not as not that big of a jump? Actually, what it did, the real business for us is really our offline sales. So what it is is that if you're buying tins of beer, mm. you know, like VB or something, they're all the same. Mm. So yeah. if you buy fifty or hundred, what deal? What it's very easy to work out. But plants have different shapes and colours, and there's a lot to it. And so some plants grow good in some areas, and some plants grow good in others. And where our real business flourishes and, and what we've got on, on everybody, there's other people selling stuff online, but it's really our, our, I call it our offline sales, which is the real strength of our business. And that is that people go online and they look and they think, gee, I wouldn't mind putting silver birch or maybe I should put a Japanese maple in my front yard. I know, I'll Big ring thing. up. And they ring up and they ask our girls advice. And I've got five girls there mm. answering the phone today. Mm. 
and they will help people. They'll make sales over the phone. And that's actually the bulk of our business is what I call offline. So they're not customers walking in the store. They're not buying online. We Online is very strong for us, particularly since since all the lockdowns. Uh, the yeah, online's been very, very strong. And online went completely crazy during the lockdowns. It went, it, 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 we went 10x on our orders and it nearly collapsed wow. the business. Wow. Um, wow. The, you know, Are you prepared that's for a good it? No. Yeah. That's a good problem to have, though. Yeah. 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 What happened was I, I before before the lockdowns, I'd renewed my lease and there was a vacant factory that belonged to my landlord next door. And against everyone's advice, I insisted upon incorporating that in the lease and upping my lease price a bit. And I didn't even really know why I did it. Just And then what happened was that when the lockdowns occurred, um, I thought I was going to go broke because the, the retail was almost shut. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, they said, "Look, the, the, the online sales have gone crazy, and they, they went up to they went up to ten times what they were before, maybe even Jeez. twelve or fifteen times." And we had monstrous orders. And what we did, my my daughter in law worked out it. We our software basically couldn't handle it. She rewrote a bit of software for us that we could we could assemble orders. And we put a whole heap of people in this factory, and we had truckloads of plants going in. And we had to buy. We bought six vans. Mm. We only used to have two vans, and we bought six vans to do the deliveries. And and I think we had two trucks. We had to buy an extra truck, so we had two trucks on the road and six vans. Oh, and at one stage, I was really worried because I owed one point three million dollars to the public, and and the orders were just pouring in, and I needed to catch that backlog because yeah. it was causing complaints. You know, not mm. you know being slow to deliver. Mm. And but somehow we did it. We played with the software, worked people around the clock. I worked around the clock myself that whole time. And and what that did was it left us with an infrastructure and a tremendous capacity to handle orders, like a capacity like I've never seen before. Like yeah. there's no other nursery. We've got a, a factory distribution center and a fleet of vehicles that really allows us to deliver. Mm. How many vehicles do you have now? I've got um, – I've actually got seven vans. Seven vans. And I've got one – truck that I use on the road. I'm actually replacing I've got two at the moment, but I'm actually going to just keep it to one truck. Based on how hard you, there's one question I have to ask. Your, your routine must be so to the point. Like when do you wake up? Like, how do you, how do you get your work done? Because you do so much, like just, just based on how hard it was to get in contact with you. I know you do a lot. And by the way, speaking of contact, your voicemail system for hello, hello. Awesome. Amazing. I love it. We love it. We, when, I was on, when I was on hold in the car, All right. it was the only time I've been on hold and I've actually enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Everyone call hello, hello, plan. <laughs> spam the phone. Yeah, but I, I need to know your routine. Like, when do you wake up? Um, I like to get going about 5 a.m., but 5 I can't always do it. But mm. sometimes I work late overnight and it's pretty hard to get going at 5. I like to be going at 5. I like to be on the go and have things worked out before the sort of the problems of the day hit, you know? Definitely. And um and then most days I'll work till seven thirty till nine o'clock. All right. And I do seven and I do seven days. And then occasionally my partner and I have bought a farm. And oh, congratulations recently? Yeah, yeah. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. And um and occasionally Jeez. I'll get away and have a day <laughs> on the farm. So mm. yeah. right. well, that's, where, where's the farm? What's like where it's in she- we bought fifty acres in Shepparton. And uh, thank you, it's thanks. Good. Yeah, good. and it's a wonderful place, and uh, and I hope to grow plants there, and mm. and, um, and I want I want to get my retail going well enough that I can go up there and grow plants. So that's actually a pretty interesting part of your business that you don't actually grow the plants at the moment, do you? I do grow a lot of plants. You do grow a lot of plants. Yeah, and I think a big reason for our success and our ability to do things is that I was brought up growing plants. I've grown hundreds of, I've grown, my dad used to grow millions of plants. He was a fabulous nurseryman. I've grown hundreds and hundreds of thousands of plants myself. Um, I'd have, I'd have, and our nursery is actually different to most, I I have a different definition of a nursery to most people. Like a nursery, our nursery is a place where plants are repotted, divided, Mm. they're worked on, they're pruned, they're shaped, Mm. they're toperized, things are occurring there. There's quite a lot of stuff and they're working away and they're growing and producing plants there. I have to cut you off. I have no toberized. What does that mean? Because when you uh, said that, shape. I thought, thought tobero. Like... To, to, no, toberized. To, 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 toberized, you know, shape. Toberized. Shape. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. And so okay. so I've got all of that happening within the nursery, whereas a lot of nurseries are a place where they buy plants, they sit them there until they sell them or they mm. rot or they discount them and get rid of them. Mm. And basically there's no 
nursery operation on the plants, whereas I have a vast amount of plants there and there's actual nursery activity occurring on those plants every day. Right, yeah. And so so I'm involved in that, but I'd like to spend more time on the – I'm very, very interested in horticulture, and, right. I, and I've invented like a few of the popular plants um, around the place I've I've invented or yeah. found or put on the market. Can and, we talk a bit about that? Because that's pretty interesting because there are some – Plants like I've seen the box Oz. Was that yours? Sort of, sort of. Oh, but but it's certainly the name. What what happened was that um, I was in partnership with this other guy, and he had an argument with somebody oh, yeah. uh, about a payment or something. He said, "Look, you have to go sort it out." And anyway, I went up there, and I was talking to the guy and sorting it out. And he had this amazing hedge. It was just the most fantastic hedge. And I went over and touched it. Just felt fabulous. I'd never seen a hedge like it before. Super and, clipped. Yeah, super clipped, and it was just around his nursery. And I said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's Lanisera nitida. And I said, how long? Did and it looked like it was 20 years old yeah. because because they normally take a long time to grow box hedges. At any rate, I said, how long did it take to grow that? He said, it took two years. Wow. You know, I went back to um, back to my partner. I said, look, I found a way to make millions. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and he said, That's always the best conversation. Yeah. And he yeah. said, what is it? And I said, well, it's it's this plant. And, and and I said, you can grow, I said, instead of taking years to grow a box hedge, you can grow a box hedge, a little one in 12 months. Just And and, and I said, it's cheap and easy to produce. That and I in said, itself is an offer. Yeah. And yeah. I said, I said it's cheap and easy to produce. I said, well, let's just mass produce and we'll make millions. Mm. And uh, he said, look, he said, we'll start off small and we'll build it up. And I said, fair enough. And we start off real small. And in the end, um, I, a friend of mine was a linguist and I went to them with the problem of how to name it. Like I wanted to name it something and we called it Box Oz. Box Oz. Box okay, Oz cool. was the name, and then I wrote a book about it. I wrote a whole book. It's only a tiny book, but yeah. I wrote a book, and it took me, I think, a week to write it, and and oh. I got someone to illustrate the book with beautiful old fashioned looking line drawings, and, yeah, and um, and we and we grew hundreds of thousands of them. We put it on TV, and I think at our peak, we we're selling a hundred thousand dollars a week worth of Box Oz. It was a multi-million dollar product. product. Just the one product. But what we did with the box size, we had little ones, we had medium ones, we had big ones, we had toperies, we had all sorts of things. And when you walked into our nursery, there was a beautiful display of toperies and Mm. all different sizes and that. And people wanted a cheap, fast box style hedge. And and it just- Without the time. Yeah, at the time. And it just went like crazy. Absolutely. And I guess that's like an interesting point. Because like I've seen, Chris has been doing a lot of, uh, walking around Turak and <laughs> understanding the gardens. We've seen it on your profile. And I think, you know, I work in this industry as well. A lot of people try to, you know, buy all the most expensive plants and stuff, but sometimes it's the most simple stuff, just mass planted. Yeah. So, like, if you were advising anyone how to create, like, a really high-end garden, what would be your tips? And to keep it, like, stupid simple and no landscape architect coming in with it, they just want to do them do it themselves. What would you say? Number one thing is to select the right plants, you know, for the sunshade, climate, soil, everything like that. Select something that's going to flourish. Put together put together a design that works, things that fit together. But the number one thing is it must flourish. It must do really, really well. So if mm. it's in the shade, it'll be a shade lover. If it's in the hot sun, it'll be a hot sun lover. And so you, you choose things that you know will work and then you put together a combo and then you mass plant and you and you keep it simple. You don't go for the wild, rare, expensive thing that'll hard to struggle and hardly grow. Mm. And and very often for mass planting, you need something that's fairly cheap. Uh, like an interesting thing is that um, one of the cheapest plants around is a silver birch. Yet silver. they, when you plant a group of them in a garden, they look they look really classy. It's sort of like a it's like a cheap way of owning a fabulous thing like silver. And and actually, for years and years, one of the wealthiest people probably in Victoria or Australia has been shopping with me and he buys, he owns lots and lots of properties, but he fills them all with silver birches because silver birches look classy and he comes in and he haggles on price on the silver birches <laughs> and he buys the smaller, cheaper ones, but they look classy mm. and they're cheap and they're fast and they're easy to grow. So like silver birches are a thing that I'll often use for, and that's the example of the type of plant. It's a plant that's, that's easy to grow, fast to grow, cheap to buy, Mass planted looks fantastic, and there's plenty of sort of sneaky or cheap, easy ways to have it looking really classy. Yeah, and I guess in your business, size matters. Of course, because those plants that are older, people will pay for that time to get that time back, so they don't have to, you know, grow their boxes or their ficus or whatever. And would you say 
a lot of people that's like a good value offer when you're selling those bigger plants just saying how long it takes to grow and a yeah, lot or, of people get the bigger ones yeah or the rarity what i've noticed particularly in recent times really big expensive plants have been selling very very well mm. um big stuff that needs a truck to deliver it you know for one plant yeah you know i've got oh, yeah, some yeah yeah, yeah. But i have to ask a question really quick i have to jump in um so for my clients specifically for advertising um, a lot of them, a lot of them are always like, oh, price, price, price is this. So we'll do a 50% discount here, you know, sponsorship, affiliate, blah, blah, blah. Um, every single time someone says that, e-commerce, restaurants, gyms, whatever it is, I always say people buy an experience. People buy a breach of the time gap, right? Which um, someone called Luke Belma actually said, time gap. So I want to ask you, if if I, you know, I, don't, I know nothing about plants, I'll be honest. Like, yeah. I, I, have to, I have to come clean, right? If I went onto your website, Press the buy button on a silver birch. You sell silver birches, right? Yeah. Okay, so I bought a silver birch. What happens? Like, not just, like, in my perspective, so as the, the customer, scenes. behind the scenes. What happens? Behind the scenes, well, what, what happens? We we don't have the ultimate. We're working on getting that ultimate technology in there, but, but what happens is that it goes to orders, mm. and they process that order, and they decide whether they can pick it out of stock or buy it in or, or get, it, get it in from a supplier, and then it gets assembled. And then it gets um, it gets allocated for delivery, mm. and and it gets delivered, and you Done. get a text and say it's coming, and that's what happens. Bam! And easy, easy. per day, how many orders do you think you fulfill? Roughly, roughly, about a lot, <laughs> eighty or a hundred. Oh, eighty or in, in Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Damn. And then the interstate. Do you sell interstate? We sell. We there's a massive demand in Sydney for plants. Plants in Sydney are very expensive. Tom can run it for you. And, <laughs> and at some point, I'll, I'll put a van in Sydney and start doing deliveries in Sydney because there's monstrous demand up there. Well, I will because I'm getting in the industry now, now that I know how much money. <laughs> 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 yeah. Tom's going to be growing silver yeah. birches in his backyard. Done. Because real estate's so expensive in Sydney, mm. um, it makes plants expensive. Mm. Real estate and water is real expensive, and, and there's few nurserymen. And plants are double to triple the price in Sydney of what they are in Melbourne. So people, and our main problem is that we don't have a van on the road in Sydney and we go have to go through carriers and the carriers are incredibly expensive. So we're not competitive in Sydney, but the inquiry out of Sydney is phenomenal because you don't have the range of plants and the pricing isn't right up there. Exactly. Absolutely. I've got to get this off. What I think we need to address the elephant in the room. What's How the did the tutu start? Because <laughs> the tutu is iconic. And yeah. that was like, I think when, when you said the three things you wrote down was have, do the creative part, do it for a long time yeah. and you'll be known for it. And I think you are known before for you it answer too, it, too. Before you answer that, I, I have to be honest. When I saw that, I thought this guy's a lunatic. <laughs> then I realized you're a genius. That's incredible. Yeah. How, the truth is a funny story. What happened was that, was that when I got back, I, I'd written that ad and the guy, I'd written it with the help of some guys over there in Hong Kong. And 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 the, the New Zealand ad writer he put in the idea of hello hello, which mm. was absolutely ingenious. Mm. Um, and so what happened? We came back, business was booming, and I'd written that first ad. I'd actually handwritten that first ad with people's help. So I used to write my ad, and then it became a sort of at the first ARN sort of weren't that excited about it, but it became a cult thing, and people everywhere were talking about it. Our business was booming. We opened other stores. Um, and back then we were Wombat Gully. And mm. anyway, so so what happened was that um, they ARN assigned me the number one ad writer to be my ad writer. Yeah. Wow. And I thought, how the hell, if I'm writing these ads. This is the same, sorry, this is the same conference, right? The ARN conference. Following on from yeah, that, this is this is six months later. They assigned oh, cool. me. When okay. it became a sort of a cult thing, that that particular ad became I was writing it every week. And when it when it became a sort of a cult thing, they um they assigned me the top ad writer. At any rate, I thought, this guy's going to have no idea how to write a hello, hello ad. And so what I used to do was ring up once a week and dictate an ad to him over the phone so he could <laughs> type it. And uh, and he was insulted by that and didn't <laughs> like it. And it was fair <laughs> enough. And anyway, so one day what happened was I dictated the ad to him and it was about – and I was selling plants so cheap because I wanted to be loved. That was what the ad, the theme of the ad was. And um, – and, it's always just been some silliness about it. So anyway, he typed back and this ad, and it was about the fact that I wanted to be loved. I was selling plants cheap, but it was also the reason why I always wore a pink tutu. 
And uh, and what happened was when I got I was out of the store and I came into the store and and all the girls there were sort of smirking at me strangely and they said oh your ads on the email and um and it turned out everyone had read it and it was that he he emailed back the ad with the addition of what I'd written but with the addition of the pink tutu in it and anyway I thought I hate this ad but what's interesting that. is that it got passed around none nothing had ever been nothing I'd ever written had ever been ripped off the facts and passed around it and had everybody laughing at it and and making jokes about it so I thought this must be good. Don't I hate it, but I'll do it. You have to. Yeah. Do anything for business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that reminds me, actually. I have to, I have to uh, jump in here. Uh, one of my, an old client, right? We're still good friends. Um, I won't reveal the name. Uh, but he had a gym, right? So him and his partner had a gym, Browns uh, Hill, somewhere there. And basically, he, one time, there's there's like this cross-country event, right? Running event. In, yeah. Where is it? Rose, Rose Bay. Rose Bay. Rose right? Bay. Rose Bay. Near there. Um, and everyone was running. And I we came up with this stupid strategy. Right, he had to wear a dinosaur outfit with his logo on it, and he was passing out water bottles. Right, right. It, it, that's what I'm saying. So people, especially in business nowadays, are so focused on looking professional, you know, wearing a suit and tie to work, driving a Porsche. But everyone forgets that in order to get to that point, you have to do the embarrassing stuff. Sometimes. Yeah, and not everything in business is flash, right? As you know. Right? Yeah. So that pink t- tutu thing ma- made you look like a lunatic at the start, but now I bet everyone's laughing now. Yeah, but you're the one laughing now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Crazy. And then would you say like like you still work day to day in Hello Hello? So yeah. you've been doing this how many years from like from when it really started taking off to now, how many years has it been? Well, it depends how I look at it. I like when I was seven or five, I dragged that flower box up to the yeah. side of the road and I've been selling stuff ever since. So I you can take it from back then or you can take it back and then really from the time I was married in my early twenties. I was selling stuff after work and I'm doing stuff on weekends and selling stuff and then, you know, so really it's been, although there's been different companies and different nurseries in different locations and I've been growing plants and doing all sorts of things, mm. um, I've really done it all my life. And, and but the business that I have now, after I went broke, started just on 10 years ago and um, and and it is what it is today, yeah. Perfect. Could Do you mind if we touch on like the being broke part? Because... A lot of people listening, I think that target audience is like young business owners. And I think, you know, inevitably someone will go broke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you think it when you came back, it just made you way stronger? Yeah. And like, what were the mental challenges you faced like during that time? And why did you say, okay, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to do the exact same thing again? And to make go this again. easier, to make this easier, hold on. Young, me, younger you. Okay, so obviously less handsome, right? Obviously uh, less driven, but I'm younger. You talk to me. What'd you say? Okay. Do that. Well, lessons. The thing was that I failed at what I was doing. I failed to set out. I failed to achieve what I wanted to do, and and I saw that I'd failed. Mm. And I decided that I really couldn't move on or do anything else until I succeeded at what mm. I until I until I showed myself that I could do what I set out to do. So it's the same as dragging that box of flowers up to the, you know, half a cage to the edge of the road. I, I decided that I wouldn't do anything else in business until I proved to myself that I could make a success of what I was doing. And did you have a lot of people saying, oh, you should get a job or you should, you know, get, um, you know, get in a different business. And I guess you spent your whole life at this point, like dedicating it to horticulturism. Yeah. And it's like, like the personal relationships, like do they suffer during that time as well? Like, ah, uh, not really. I, like you find out who your friends are. Um, you, you I like that. Yeah, That's so you good. find out who yeah. you, your friends are, and so you you end up w- with almost a totally different group of people. Mm. Um, and and like some nurserymen were really good to me. Yeah. Uh, like um, I'm just thinking of of like. Dan from Dan's Plans, for instance, he lost seventy k with me when I went broke, and he's and been really yeah, and he's been really good to me ever since. Yeah, um, and 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 just his sort of belief and confidence in me was just you know a, a something that helped me get back up and go again, you know. Hmm. And one more time, touching on the on the broke part, I'm sorry to keep bringing <laughs> it up. It's just obviously our target audience is people my age and Aaron's age or the same age, twenty one. Um, going when you when you hit the floor. Right with that kind of thing. Did you also hit the floor up here, or just in the pocket? Would you say? 
Um, I think I was affected mentally by it. Um, like it'd be something, you know, like I felt that I'd failed. And I wasn't, although I was determined to get back up again, I wasn't sure that I could. So it it's took, hard. it took a bit of work to, it took a bit of work and a bit of study and, 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 um, a lot of application to get back up again. And then like, did you just study the last, um, the last time, like your business because of how it failed, did you just study that? And then when you got going on the next time, was that the second time or the, like, was that the second nursery you had, the one that you run now? Hello, hello. Like second uh, name. It's. I've actually, I've actually had, I've had three names actually yeah. over the years. Yeah. So the, on the third time, were you just like, all right, I've had all these mistakes. I know exactly what to do, and you're just like, what's that quote? Is it Bruce? Bruce Lee? Bruce? You're like what? No, no. It's um, you'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war field. That sort of thing. Whoa! How have I not heard that? Yeah, I Bruce, love that. Bruce Lee. Is that Bruce Lee? What did, what was it? A warrior? You'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war field. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So did you say you you were the warrior in the garden? Third yeah. time around, you're going, you said, no matter what, I'm exactly. just gonna do this. Like yeah, anyone can I, say anything, I'm gonna sell the plants. Yeah, yeah, I, I I had real determination. And and I didn't, you know, and there was times where, you know, like to get it back up and running with just a tiny bit of money, there's times where I've put in a thirty six hour day, just gone straight through. Absolutely, and Chris. and there's been no you know, food, nothing, just straight. Oh, I ate. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Jeez, sleep, thirty-six but I, hours are just yeah, thirty-six. Insane, out, yeah. 36 he doesn't do this. Oh, sorry, you do. Oh, sorry. This. Yeah, there we go. My bad. Yeah. I he forgot. I had to wrestle with this guy before he destroyed no, me. He so I'm in the wrong industry, dog. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So so I I just <laughs> and I wasn't exactly sure what to do, yeah. but I just thought if I did what I thought I could do hard enough, I'd I'd be there. That's good. Did you have um? I, there's another question I want to ask. It's a, it's sort of it's not that deep. It, it, it get, these conversations will get deeper as we go. Yeah. I promise. Um, but recently, just going personally, um, a few days ago, right, I had a lot of sales, right, a lot, right, and to the point where I didn't know what to do with it, right. Yeah. And I, like my heart, my guy, right here, just started yeah. like that, right, and it got really scary, really scary. Um. Now you've done an insane amount, and you're selling what 100, as you said, 100, 150, yeah. something like that every day. So I'm sh- I'm positive that you've had this moment where your your guy started going when he started doing sales and everything like that. Well, with the lockdown, that? with the lockdowns, I got. I, I only like to. I'm happy if I've got a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars worth of orders to deliver. That's healthy. Mm-hmm. And but it went to about one point three mil or one point four mil over lockdown. Yeah, like that. Did I? Is that in one week or like? Um, no, we we're a couple of weeks behind. Yeah, but but that was how much behind I was delivering flat out, and I I owed to the public. I like like I always look at what I owe. Yeah, and when um, you say owe to the public, do you mean the plants? Yeah, the, like, if, like the if, stock, I, if the I've got two hundred thousand yeah. dollars worth of orders and I, that I haven't delivered, that's a two hundred thousand dollar debt to the public. I like the way you think about that. That's good. Yeah, a yeah. lot of people just think like, oh, it's just money in the bank, you know? So, no, no, it's a debt. Yeah. It's exactly. a debt, and and, and yeah. it's money in the bank after you deliver, and mm. um, so. So you don't really have the money until you've delivered it. So I, at that point, I had a heap of money in the bank, but I owed one point three million to the public, mm. and um, and so that really worried me because I think we worked out we're only delivering about we're only delivering like thirty or forty thousand dollars a day, and I sat down with I had a fabulous manager at the time. He's away at the moment, unfortunately. But but I had this fabulous manager, and we sat down. We said we need to deliver a hundred thousand dollars a day worth of plants, or we're sunk. And uh, <laughs> most people like we need like more sales, but you're just like we need to deliver more of the stuff we already. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. we had to deliver. We worked out that we had to deliver a hundred thousand dollars a day worth of plants, or we'd mm. be buggered. You know, I'd be on TV with a bag over my head, <laughs> and, uh, taking all this money. A car and a fail go into. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And. Um, and so, um, and and we sat down and worked it out that we needed. We did ads for drivers. We um, bought van. We bought four vans. Um, yeah, staff would have been tough. Yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. getting staff, and 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 it was tough. You know, we got one guy in, and he did like about in in about ten days, he did like fifty thousand dollars worth of damage to our fleet. You know, <laughs> dry, wrecking things. Like he's just a weird guy. Like and and what? so the, the, and we're trying to because you're dragging in lots of people. Mm. 
And there was all sorts of problems because we had to drag in a big crew of people mm. and we had to get new equipment and we had to have new software and we had to do everything and then and then quickly get it up. And we knew that we couldn't handle it until we got to 100K a day worth of deliveries. And so that was Absolutely my wild. that was my period like yeah. that. And I couldn't sleep. You know, I was just work, work till I dropped and then get up, wake up really early in the morning. But now you're and a get in there. Piece, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. yeah. But, yeah. But, that, but that, and that lasted, uh, to catch up with that took quite a few months. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. And then I guess like come, coming with all this success obviously comes money. And did your life change that much, say, from when your business was saying making 100K to where it is now? Did you, would you say your life has changed personally? A lot like have you changed your lifestyle or do you just do the same old thing i haven't really changed much at all apart from the odd day on the farm yeah um i really haven't changed anything and i guess like tom asked the question before if this button was the reset button would you take it but if someone came and wrote you a check i don't know how much the business is worth maybe 100 mil if someone wrote you a check for 100 mil would you take it today and but you have to leave and you can never work you can have your farm personally, but you can't have another nursery. No, I probably couldn't take it. You couldn't take it? No. You love it that the, much. The offer is too low or? <laughs> no, just, <laughs> no, don't even get there. Don't even get there. Yeah. No, I, look, there's in horticulture. Yeah. My, my hero in horticulture is a guy called Luther Burbank, which most people have never heard of, but he was around at the turn of the century and he wasn't a guy particularly interested in money, but he was the 10th wealthiest guy in America and he and he did absolutely fabulous. Like the basis of any civilization is actually horticulture. Like, like without horticulture, you don't. Because what happens with horticulture? A few people can could produce the resources that many people that can keep many people supported. So you can have philosophers and artists and politicians and all sorts of other people when you have some sort of good system for producing food and mm. and clothing yeah. and things like cool. that. Sorry, keep going. So, so, so basically, and. The person, Luther Burbank wrote two sets of encyclopedias, which I've got original copies of his encyclopedia. He wrote two sets of encyclopedia. He made his fortune at a very young age and then bought himself with his fortune, he bought himself two properties and he had about a 1,000 acres where he did horticultural research and development. Mm. And he basically, if you look through his encyclopedia, you realise that he created he, the modern wheat is based by him, the modern potato is from him, the modern petunia is oh, from wow. him. The Shasta daisies from him, the blood plum is from him, and two or three thousand other things that he created. Like I'm, I don't think I'll ever quite get to his level, but but he he made his fortune, but he wasn't particularly interested in that. Um, he he was interested in in horticulture, and he made and and horticulture is vital for the survival of a civilization. Like people don't realize how vital it is. Um, Super vital. That's that's another story about that. You know the Amazon. Right, yeah. the Amazon rainforest. Yeah. This might don't fact check me on this. I'm ninety nine percent sure I got this right. But my dad, right, uh, he told me about this story. Apparently, the Amazon, the soil, is like so rich from from the Incas, from from whoever lived in the Amazon. I don't think it was the Incas actually. Um, there's like carbon or some. There's some sort of what's it? What's it? What do you have after a fire? Carbon. Not yeah. the other. Not the other thing. It's um charcoal. 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 Yeah. There's like charcoal in the coal. Uh, in the soil. And all, all the soil in this specific part of the Amazon, I believe, is all like man-made. Like it's all put there. And the soil there is so incredibly rich. So rich. So again, I could be wrong, but after this, we're going to find out. Is he right, Chris? I've heard about, I've heard that there was some sort of civilization in the Amazon that, would, that had an, an agricultural system and that a lot of the Amazon was once a farm. Mm, yeah. That's it, exactly. Yeah. I'm so glad I got that right. Do you think, this is actually a, a strange topic, but like, sure. you know, now you've got, when you're getting your building permit done, you need either the water tank, you need the vegetable garden. Do you think we're going to move to a civilization where more and more people grow their own food? Interesting question. You've got, um, like I feel, like I'm interested in growing food for my family on, mm. on my farm. And I think that just the way our economic structure is, I think that people may be forced to produce more of their own food. And then also um, there's quality problems in the food that we're getting now through the supermarket chains and yeah. things like that. And I think people 
for health reasons may want to bypass those quality problems. So, so I think I think there'll be a greater urge for for food production mm. in in the future. You have a chest yeah. No. Okay, well, I'm going to ask you this question. I was better at drafts. I I think the analogy will still work, but um, on the chessboard, obviously, you have a pawn, which moves one or two squares, and then you have the horse, which can move around. Yeah. Right. So would you call yourself, um, are you a one step at a time type of person, or are you jumping around the chessboard with business? Mm. I'm jumping around the chessboard. I've kind of got an idea for what I want to be doing in about five or six years. What's that? Beautiful. Can you reveal it? Yeah, I I could reveal it, but it's, it's really weird. Um, plant domination. Plant domination. Which is the world. Yeah. What I'm interested in is that um, when I was seven, I went door knocking and got myself a gardening job. And yep. then and then I became I became quite a good gardener. By the time I was 17 or 18, I was lots of lots of key gardens in the little town where I lived would use me as their gardener. And um, and I have a real interest in gardening. And and anyway, what I can see is I expect, I expect that. Lots and lots of people five or six years from now will have a robot helping out around the house. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, have you seen like the like Boston Dynamics? No. Like there's there's a company called Boston Dynamics which build these humanoid robots. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's mind blowing. Absolutely mind blowing. And it, actually, one more thing. There's there's this there's this again, my dad told me this. There's one ad or there's one there's something on the news where they've got this robotic dog, right? And apparently it's to help disabled people. But they've attached a assault rifle to it, so what? I don't know what? where this came from. But there you go, robots with assault yeah. rifles. Apparently, that's needed. And that, now knows? I know they've got those little—they're pretty expensive. Those robot mowers. You just put them there. Yeah. And oh kind yeah. Of and they're like silent. As and well. they're silent. It's yeah. crazy. And you yeah. know, you can have someone mow your lawn three times a day. And I'm the type of guy like, trips on a Roomba. Like, yeah, so, yeah, Roomba like, <laughs> yeah. Imagine that little safety yeah, yeah. as it's going around. Well, what what my plan is is to is to have a piece of technology that would allow um, your robot to press a button or go go to a, a particular point and become Chris the gardener. And then what he could do is survey the garden mm. and using central intelligence, he would know when to spray or prune the roses. He would oh. know what to do and when to do it, and he would know where to get the products that he needed and how to get the products that he needed so that a person could actually have a garden that the robot did. Because, like, you know, I live on a or looked after bigger plot of land, and people don't realise that it's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Like, you know, even a 1,000 square metres is a ton of work. And, you know, when you go to the nursery, you get excited, you buy all the plants, you put them in, you got your hedges done. And then you realize you're going to pay someone over $100 an hour. And I had someone quote me the other day to trip, trim my hedges, $300 an hour for it. Wow. Yeah, and he came from, came from far away and he said, I'm the best of the best. And I was like, so you, you're a professional like, hedge trimmer. And he was like, so angry at me. He said, I'm a horticulturist. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess if you have a big plot, even that, and you're having someone trim your hedges every day, clipping the roses, Mm. That it would be crazy. Would it have a tutu? I oh, think it, it would de- the, the robot would definitely need to put on a tutu when it became Chris the Gardener. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> but, but, but I think that I think that um, a robot should all that a robot would need to do the garden is to have the right sort of plug-in knowledge and and AI to because they already have those garden. apps where you know you can like go to the plant and tells like what disease or. Something like well, that. Those, yeah, can, those, those like can, constructive AI things. Yeah, where, like, and they can it, like already yeah. like know what sort of plant this is. Like you can the plant identifying. I don't know what it's called. Do you think that's good for, for humanity? Do you think like this whole like this? There's this. Ma- I'm not sure if you know about it, but there's this massive like boom of AI technology now. Oh, it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like there's there's an app called Midjourney, which like designs things. Like for example, you want a water bottle, right? You want to sell water bottles. You go on Midjourney, say like design a water bottle, and it designs the most incredible thing ever. Right, and it's frightening, but I don't think it's good. Now it's funny because I think, like many years ago, when people were thinking about AI, they were like, "Okay, um, all the day-to-day tasks, like mowing the lawn and stuff, will all be automated, mm. and like all the books will be automated. Mm. But then all the creative jobs will be the ones that are left." Mm. But it seems in the last two months, what six months of AI, gone. it's all the creative stuff that's actually being AI. Exactly, and everyone thinks like. 
for some reason, every time people talk about the downsides of AI, everyone automatically thinks, oh, they're going to take our jobs, blah, blah, blah. And it's not that. To me, it's going to, like, I don't think there's anything wrong specifically with AI. I think there's a problem when AI starts dominating life. So, for example, as you were saying with edge trimming or whatever it is, there's some things I believe that humans should still do. Right? Mm, I'd rather not trim my eyes. I know, you, I know you'd rather not, but hear me out, right? Because, like, these little jobs here and there, like, I just for some reason, every time I think AI, I think of that movie. What's that movie with the when the, when they're on space and the, Wally? Wally. Wally. Have you seen Wally? No. Okay. Well, now <laughs> you have. You have to watch. <laughs> you it. have That's to it. watch Wally. Yeah, you have creating to. a robot. Yeah. yeah. Because there's they all they're all like going around this ship in space. They're moving to another planet. Something like yeah. that. I've done another plot. Don't quote me. And they're all in these chairs, and they just go around. The, they're doing nothing. They're all fat and like that. I don't know. To me, I just think there's some things. That was in 2007 as well. Look at me go. Yeah, wisdom, mm. infinite knowledge. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. I think I think AI. I'm just thinking. Um, um, yeah, AI is potentially the most dangerous thing facing humanity right now. Mm. Um, and, and it's and it's going to be. You're going to need like a um, a really good government and a really good democracy to be able to have a civilization and have happy people mm. and have a purpose and a thing for people to get along and do, mm. uh, you're going to need a lot of like um, human development mm. to be able to live with it. Exactly. Yeah. And Sorry I think much. that would, would you say from a business standpoint, probably completely change your business. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think like, I think that um, like what's possible is that, a robot does somebody's garden and orders the products oh. required direct from, from the nursery oh, yeah. within the budget parameters that the owners set, um, and um, and or, or maybe requests. You know, like it, it it could well be that a robot, like for for most people with and it's, and it's a lot of you well off people who buy spending a lot of money on plants, it could be that a robot's looking after their garden and dealing directly with the nursery. Um, under the instruction, you know, like, like, why would you have to bother, you know, to, to, to go and buy the petunias? The robot could just buy them and have them delivered. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to put Jim's mowing out of business. Oh. <laughs> so Jim's coming, Jim's coming after you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Personal vengeance shit. now. Yeah. I have to learn how to fight. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Warrior in a garden. Warrior in a garden. Jim, Jim from Jim's mowing, but that's Chris from Hello, Hello, Plants. Anyway, Chris, I reckon um, we should cut it there. Yeah, cool. It was a pleasure okay. having you on. Yeah, Absolutely. That was fun. Thanks. Cheers. My first podcast. Well, the first and first hopefully many. I'm coming back in Melbourne, so maybe again. Cool. All maybe right. we should film it in the nursery with plants. Love what to. Say? Yeah. Is your nursery nearby? Uh, it's about 25 minutes from here. Wait, I've got a quick question. Sure. For a house, a single house, what is the biggest, if you don't want to reveal the number, it's all right, but what's the biggest order you got for a single home? I think about. Like dollar wise. About 80,000. 80,000? Just on the plants. That's before you put them in, yeah? Yeah. I'm in the wrong industry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess, is that thing that they always say, like, you know, um, people make money and, like, like what other people perceive to be, like, the most boring stuff. Mm. You know, like, I know so Door many handles. Things. Yeah, well, that's I was in that like, industry, so. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so how does your business work? What do you do exactly? Uh, so the, the main, you know, moneymaker for me is my company, Bohemian, right? So I've got Bohemian Enterprises, mm. yeah. which is the conglomerate that owns everything. And um, the one that I love the most is advertising, obviously. Right. So the reason we do well, in my opinion, is simplicity, speed, and efficiency. So our number one slogan is we save you time. Right. And most people are like, well, I don't believe you. I'm like, okay, fine. Go with someone else. But what I found, and I started this about three years ago, and it started as a record label. But what I found is that every agency, that whole agency model, their number one priority is selling, I don't even know, like selling a story. They go like, we're the best. We do this. You know, we get these figures. With Bohemian, it's just like, find out. That's it. It's just like, try and find out. Like, right. call us and I'll consult and stuff like that and just find out. Right. And our offer, as you said with offer, is a free consultation. So I just give my number out. It's like, call me and I'll answer your questions. And that's the biggest moneymaker. But when it comes to actual product, we don't, like if you sell bottles, say you sell water bottles, right? Most agencies will go, we'll put you on Facebook, right? For us, it's like, we'll take this and find as many ways to sell it as possible, get you everywhere. Like even, even my Instagram, for Oh example. my God, I pop terrible. up like five times a day on his phone and he hates like, me for it. I'll but, be working yeah. there, I'm like in my full focus mode, <laughs> and then he'll be there working, and then my phone just like beep, 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 beep. 
And I've got him staying at my house for a few days. Big and he's mistake. like, I bet it's me. Check it. It's Tom Barkley. It's Tom Barkley. <laughs> like, please stop. Please. Yeah, but please the whole stop. point, the whole, the whole part with that is that most people think to grow on social media, for example, you have to uh, provide value, which of course you do. But the value they provide is always to help them. Like, it's clear that it's helping them. The value we provide is just like, here's how to sell water bottles. This, 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 done. It's like steps, actionable steps. But everyone's like, in order to sell water bottles, you have to make sure you, you know, something like that. Have a stupid slogan, great logo. But in this, it's like you go into business to make money quickly. So why the hell are you wasting your time? Right? So as you said, what we do is we take this and put it everywhere. Billboards, cinema, TV, Facebook, LinkedIn, Spotify. It's the opposite of your strategy, actually. Everywhere, right? Wherever you want. So again, you sell phones, you sell Apple phones, for example. One strategy you could have is you could have an app on the App Store, whatever it is, right? Let's call it Coasters, right? Coasters. Yeah. You have an app. They download it. It's like a blog. Or they download it. It's like genuine, actionable information, yeah. right? For example, let's, let's do one right now. Plants. Hey, what's your best selling plant right now? English box. Okay, you advertise the English box and you're like, before you order, learn about it here. Download for free, right? You download the app and it's your, it's branded as your app, but it's all specific information on that plant, right? Because you obviously need direct value, right? Yeah. And then at the end of that, you can convert. But people who go like, buy our plants because we're the best on their ads, in my opinion, works a little bit. But if you have value that people can retain for a long time and go back to, yeah. That is the real sale. And I think with his business, I think the most valuable is like, you know, I don't think there's actually that much landscape architect information. Like, yeah, you can look online. Like, what, like do you make a lot of information? Yeah, and I'd actually like to do a lot more um, because what, what I can provide is evaluated information in that, in that like people say different things about different plants and, and things like that. But through my experience, I know what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. So, and I know what will grow in the shade or what will what'll happen here or what will happen there. You know, like this thing is, it was something I was doing yesterday. A person asked me, about, I can't remember what the plant was, but a person asked me about it and I was able to say, yes, I've seen that in that exact situation. I've seen it do well, you know. Mm. So, so I'm able to. Just experience. Yeah, so evaluated information is really the, and then so the, the, um, like I put out a thing on watering, which was a really big hit last week, yeah. and what it was was um, I'm I'm really against those little orange guns that people have in the oh my garden hose, and I actually feel that they're like I I actually feel my my partner goes mad when I say this, but I feel that it's sort of like a, a left wing plot those little things because what it is is that back if you go back to the sixties, <laughs> I think you're really year, into this man. I love this. I love this. Keep going. No, if, you go back, if you go back to the sixties, every year. They'd build a new reservoir, you know, and we feel that we're going ahead. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it, back in the 70s, it became politically unsavory to build reservoir. They finished off the Thompson scheme, which massive big reservoir, and then they didn't build any more. And Melbourne's growing like crazy out everywhere, and we and we started to have water shortages. And the next thing, they said you had to use these little half-inch hoses with a little tiny gun on them. <laughs> and, and the thing is that they make this hissing noise, and that yeah. hissing noise is a little thing that they put inside them to stop the water coming out. That's the, 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 the filter, the little, um, what's it called, the uh, flow restrictor. Yeah. yeah. At, at, at any rate, so what I, so what I did, I demonstrated this. It, um, in, in our nursery, my staff, when they water, they only use three-quarter-inch hoses. They never use a half-inch hose. Yeah. And the water flow through a three-quarter-inch hose is like 10 times better than the half-inch hose. Mm. And so we have three-quarter-inch hoses, and then I bring in a rosette that comes from America that's 50 or 60 years old. And it doesn't make any noise. It's silent and the water just gushes through it. Anyway, I did a demonstration, which was really a big hit online, that I got one of those little guns and I put it in a nine-liter in a nine-liter watering can and it took 45 seconds to fill. Mm. And then I hooked up the three-quarter-inch hose to the same tap, turned it on full, exactly the same, had the, had my American rosette on it, which makes no noise, just beautiful. Yeah. And it just the water floods out. And and then I put it in the in the watering can, and it only took um, it only took ten seconds to put nine liters in there. Yeah. So that would mean that if a lady was out there watering her garden, like I see people out there, those little hoses and they're out there in a the hot night and they're doing that, and you know that they're not putting out any water, and they, but they don't know; they think they're watering, and um, and the, and you've got nearly ten times as much coming out of your three quarter inch hose with your proper rosette on it, and and. So we we put out evaluated information because, and I do it from my experience because I've had to water plants, and if I use those little guns, all my plants would die. Well, I guess oh. like the 
when, when you have plants, the only thing you can control, like obviously there's sun, but you can't control it, but you can control the water. Yeah, that's Do you know right, what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I'm not sure if you've ever watered the garden, Tom, oh, in your life. Sorry. But, no, um, no. Um, of course. You know, no, you no, buy all these expensive yeah. plants and then a lot of people just don't put irrigation. In. Yeah. yeah. And that, that blows my mind because it's like you're spending 10, 20 grand and then you're going to sit there wasting your own time watering these plants like this. Mm. Like if you like it and like you've got the time, go for 85% it. 85% yeah. of people, I reckon, like they should have irrigation. Like, yeah. Instead of buying the biggest plant, buy the medium-sized plant or buy the big plant and the irrigation. Yeah, but I often say to people that you'd be better off saving your money, buying yeah. a smaller plant and doing everything else right, using the right soil, the right yeah. – like if you if you spend big on a big, big plant and then you don't give it the rest of what you need, which is some good soil, some fertilizer, some irrigation, maybe some soil wetting chemical, depending on the situation. Mm. But it's better – you're better off to buy – save money on your plant, buy a smaller plant and do all the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Would you ever sell the irrigation? Because I guess that's like a, you know how people have supplementary products to their business. Mm. Like that's a big supplementary product. And it's a, like, I love like it. the actual irrigation the, tool? Uh, no, you like post? plumb them in the ground. It's oh, amazing. Cool. Okay, I yeah. love it. Like we have it installed. 5 a.m. You just hear it go, and it just sprays everything. If it rains, it doesn't, it doesn't water it. It's brilliant. It's like the best thing ever created. It's something I'll get to eventually, but not, not right not now. We're just focused on the plants at the moment. One medium. That's 100%. it. But there's one thing I need to see. It's your. I need to see your message before we leave. Oh, let's go. Should we go? Yeah, yeah, we should. Minutes, yeah. Right? yeah, come on, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no